Hey, everybody, great way to support this show is to review and rate us on iTunes if, if you have iTunes or iOS or whatever. Or just subscribe to us. Uh, all those things help more people find the show, and I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, and let's get on to the show. All right. Hey, you've only tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep. Welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here. Uh, to put you to sleep, we do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's running through your brain, racing through your brain, whatever's got you up in pain or in thought or in, in emotional turbulence. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach across the deep, dark night in, in both a metaphorical and in some senses, as physical sense I can get because my voice is, you know, causing the air to move and vibrate, which is causing, if you listen to the ear episode, the inner ear, you know, the miracle of the inner ear. But I guess there is some physical connection we have in a strange, strange way. But but also, but as, as boundaries go, pretty safe, pretty safe boundaries. But I'm going to send my voice to you, I guess, uh, is a better way to put it across the deep, dark night. Uh, one to let you know, geez, you might feel alone. You might feel hopeless. I, I felt both those things in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep. You might feel like no one understands. And, and, a, and a whole bunch of other things. I don't want to start, dre- you know, what do you call it? dredging up anything on anybody. And I can't say, geez, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a sleep expert. I'm a barely, barely functional human being. But, you know, what does that be? A, B, a barely functional human I can't even come up with a... I don't even know what it's called when you put letters for make a word. Uh, but the government does that all the time. So people do it. They think it's a family tradition in my family. But I'm doing my best here. And when I say, so I, so I might not be able to understand exactly what you're going through. I might not be able to physically be there for you or emotionally be there for you. And I may not be able to, to help you uh, uncover, unravel the sources of what's keeping you up at night. Uh, but what I can do is this podcast. I can say, I can relate to what you're going through. I may not be able to understand it, but I, I, I understand that it sucks. And I just happen to have a very narrow skill set that happens to be very strange and up until two, two years ago, a little bit under two years ago, they said, geez, it's just called, uh, well, I don't know, but, but it, let me explain this skill set to you. This is your first time here, by the way. Welcome. Uh, yes, you're in strange territory, clearly, but it's safe territory. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell a meandering, lulling story. I'm gonna first. I'm gonna give a, a, a unbelievably asinine and long-winded uh, explanation of what I do to put you at ease. Uh, for a lot of people, they come around these parts often. They start falling asleep right away. They say, "Oh, scooter's off trying to explain the podcast," and they fall asleep. Then there's another sector of people that listen. And they say, "Well, I'm gonna wait till he gets to the story. I like the stories." And they help me cross over from the threshold from wake, waking to sleep or whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, but so I'm going to be here. I'm going to, I'm going to tell. I'm going to take lulling, soothing tones the best I possibly can. I'm going to be meandering. I'm going to be long-winded, indirect, uh, silly, uh, strange, without a doubt, strange, but more. Well, I, I guess I didn't. I don't. I, I didn't. I, I passed art history, but I don't remember much about it. I uh, probably smoked too much weed before class, to be honest with you. But uh, you know, I'm like one of those painters that says that does it. That you say, well, that's weird, but but it doesn't creep me out. That's the goal of the podcast, or one of the goals.
And then if you, you, you say, geez, what if I can't fall asleep? Well, I try to have the story, the premise, the tale be as interesting as I can make it within all these uh, this context. And it just might show the limits of my storytelling ability. I say, well, I, I really do my best to make it a lulling, soothing, meandering, and somewhat interesting story for those of you that can't fall asleep. I say, geez, I, I, I would like someone to be there chattering on, prattling on for me. So that's what I do. I, I do a long intro. Usually I like to thank some of the people that have heard from this week next, and then, I, and then I'll do a, a story. And it'll go on, and it'll, and it'll put you at ease. It hopefully it makes you laugh. But you don't 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 feel any pressure to pay attention. Don't feel any pressure to learn anything. Uh, don't feel any pressure to 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 uh, not to laugh at me. Go right ahead. But the main thing is, I, I want you to be as, as at ease. Like I don't know if you remember the movie when Harry met Sally. But but during the movie, they had all these cutaways of older couples that had been married or in relationships a long time talking on the couch. I'd like you to be as at ease as, as one of those members of one of those couples and say, well, I, you know, he does have terrible breath, but he still puts me to sleep. I mean, the best part about this podcast, you don't even need to worry about my breath. I'll tell you right now, I'm chewing on a... Uh, uh, chamomile, peppermint, uh, ginger, oolong, lavender, uh, can you know, other, you know, some patchouli, all that. That's my breath is essence of sleep. Uh, you know, some essential, you know, I'm pulling oil here, essential oils, you know, just to put you to sleep. That's what my breath's doing. That's all you need to think about. And the main message I want to get across is I'm glad you're here. It might take a couple of times to get used to me. That's that's what that's what people say. If you're skeptical, I'll tell you right now, I'm not an expert in anything but lulling. I'm an amateur luller. That's a, that's what I, you know the best. So don't worry. I'm not going to say, well, you know, for another, you know, forty five dollars, I'll hypnotize you later. So I said, I just want to let you know, I'm glad you're here. And, and as I say almost every time, uh, and more recently, I, I would say, I hope, I desire, and I yearn to help you fall asleep, and I'm glad you're here. And thanks for being here and, and giving this a try. Thanks. Okay, housekeeping. We're on the web, www.sleepwithmepodcast.com. You can comment on the website if you want to get a hold of us. You can email us, feedback at uh, sleepwithmepodcast.com. Uh, show notes and links and stuff will be on the website. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Dearest Scooter or on Facebook, Sleep With Me Podcast. That's where I post the bloopers. I try to post sleep-related articles when I can. Uh, we got a newsletter, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash newsletter. I think those are all the best ways to get a, get a hold of us. Uh, I'm working on a daytime mini show, weekly mini show with Bob, like a sleeper summer sleep mini show. So hopefully that'll be coming out soon. And, you know, just because we're about to run out of nap casts anyway. So hopefully we can launch that. Uh, thank you, everybody got back to me about the video editing. Uh, I can't believe the response. So I, uh, for now, I think uh, I've, I've got a couple people uh, I've, uh, I've got I've got people I heard from and I'll be in I'll be in touch with those people but you know you you can still email me but it's not a as pressing need I think we've got I think we've got that whole to the because you wonder because you I can I honestly was so touched by that that uh, anyone responded and I got so I don't even know what to say about that. Uh, other than thank you, I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful, who does our music, Scotty and Jennifer on our artwork, on our honor. I want to thank Alexandra and Laura, who run our Facebook group over at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash nods. Free to join, you know, it's a place where you can talk about sleep. You can talk to other people that are having trouble sleeping. 
and you can share, you know, your favorite stories about Afghans and say, I remember this Afghan, I mean, a blanket Afghans. You know, if you spend any time in it, I don't think people, uh, I think it would be an Afghanistan, you know, Afghanistan-related stories. But please, you know, don't, we don't, we try to avoid pejoratives here, other than calling the podcaster Guevon. Uh, so, jeez, I just walked right into a mess. I said I'd make a joke about it. I didn't plan on making even an Afghan-related joke. So you know, the, the the things that are knitted or crocheted, I don't know, oh, no, now, now I'm offending crocheters and knitters and those things with hooks. Oh, jeez, and now I don't know. So, oh, boy, two, okay, well, those are two. So we still have the sleepwithmepodcast.com community, Facebook community, and that's close to anybody angry about that stuff. But, you know, if you're angry about it, you can let me know. Well, you could share stories, blanket, you know, with sewn-together blanket stories. How about that over there? And I think our moderators, Alexandra and Lori, thanked them. I want to thank everybody that sent me a picture of their shirt to help uh, raise money for the Children's Museum of Montana. And we're going to have a little, we'll have something coming up here in a couple weeks. Uh, about more updates about that. I want to thank Laura, a different Laura, for her comments on our website. So nice. Thank you. I want to thank David, Luke, and Meg. Those are the people I'm talking to about the editing. I want to thank Lincoln for his nice offer, Angela for and Betty. And Michael C., those were all nice emails I got. Miss M., I got a nice email. Faye, I want to thank Rachel, Jake, Eloise, Lori, Babs, Mr. Recovery, Josh T., all shining the, shine the sun. Well, I, I got to stay away from those kind of words. Those trip me up. Shining the sun on me over on Twitter. Uh, Kimberly and Julie were, 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 you know, cheering me up. I didn't need to be cheered up, but they did it. They said, hey, let's cheer them higher. They said, maybe Scooter doesn't need to be cheered up. Maybe he needs to be cheered. Cheered. Just just a general cheer, not a yelling cheer. Like Christmas cheer, but all, all through the year. And that's why it's the best time of the year when you hear from Julie and Kimberly. Everybody near, let's be clear that I'm saying thank you. And I want to thank you, Samantha, again, over at Spines and Covers for that. Jeez. You know, if I say, geez, if I get down, I can just read that, you know, and if I say, put me, if, 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 uh, if I need, if the cheer's not enough, then I can, so thank you. And I'm sure we're going to find some wonderful new people because of that. So thank you so much. I think that's it on the uh, thank yous right now. If I miss anybody, you know, you're dealing with a flawed person here, but I apologize. And hopefully, you know, just let me know. I'm not, a, you know, you, you don't have to be afraid if you say, hey, Scooter, I sent you $4 billion last week and a spaceship and a new Tesla. But how about, you know, I, I didn't do it for the thank you. And I didn't do it for my own personalized episode. But, you know, if you could please, I just wondered if if I did something to bother you, Elon. <laughs> and I would say, Muskie, oh, you did it. Did, I don't know if anybody, so I saw um, Brad Bird speak. I want to thank Brad Bird. And I know he won't hear this, but holy cow. Uh, Brad Bird's an amazing speaker, hilarious. And, like, not the same kind of humor as me, but that kind of humor that, you know, a lot of people say he's not funny, but he's hilarious. Like, uh, I don't know, he's not dry, but I don't know, he had to be there, and he was taught, I don't know, he really, really inspired me. And then he was talking about some stuff, and I'd been trying to figure out, okay, some things... Uh, creatively, like about a series, what are we going to bring back? What are we going to, and he said something and I said, holy crap, there's my answer. 
So whatever the next series is, or whatever, maybe it'll be Brad Bird's, just his, his being Brad Bird. And he's not Bird-like. I mean, he's, he has the good aspects of Bird's, with none of the irritating ones. He didn't call once. Actually, I love cause. And he probably could have made it. He did go boom. And he made an explode. It, it was cool. And he, he talked about Muskie. That's what made me think about it. He calls him Elon or Mr. Mr. Musk. Though Mr. Musk sounds like, uh, hello, my name's Mr. Musk. I'm here to talk to you about sleeping in sweet, sweet love. I'm Mr. Musk. But anyway, Elon, so if you want me to thank you, you just ask, okay? And you send me a Tesla, not purple, but I'll take a purple Tesla. But, you know, make sure you run it through some other off-seas corporations. Uh, thank you. And thank you, Brad Bird. Uh, and thank you all, because you guys inspire me. Like, you give me a reason to pay attention at things, because I said, Jesus, Brad Bird's great. But I wonder if he could help me with these ideas I can't, you know, I haven't been able to bring into focus for my listeners, the wonderful listeners. And then he just, and I said, whoop, that's it. There's my answer. Not actually an answer. But I said, well, there's a setting for for the next, uh, so that's that's months away. But anyway, it's all that cheer you guys keep giving me. And I had a soda about two hours ago, so. All right, uh, let's get on to the rest of the show. How about that? Hey, guys, this is Scooter here. Uh, this is a trending Twitter Tuesday episode, but it, it's uh, weird for me. It might not be weird for you because uh, I'm recording this episode one night after I recorded last Tuesday's episode, if everything goes out according to uh, a schedule. And I hadn't planned on recording a couple of things I hadn't planned on. And this is the start of the boredom. So uh, if you need to skip this, it should be in the uh, notes. But it's also, I said, Jesus, is this a, a opportunity for exploration? So last night I sat down. It was Tuesday. It's Wednesday now. Actually, let me get the, uh, I'm going to pause and get the trend Twitter trends because it's like 740-something. Okay, hold on. Oh, boy, I might have to charge my phone. So it's uh, Wednesday, and I'm looking at the actual 22nd. It's about 10 to 8 now. And so last night I sat down and had the the idea on Monday. This is a week. My daughter's away, so I'm recording podcasts. I'm trying to get a couple ahead or just get some stuff done. But tonight I had scheduled to work on a metastasis episode and get half of a metastasis done. But So last night though, I had sat down and I was going to do an episode about uh, having trouble writing algorithmic. And that was one of maybe one of my sleep, sleeper summoners projects to write this song algorithmic to electric slide. And why I was going to explore that as a story idea. And you say, Jesus, he thought it was going to be a home run. I said, explore a story idea about being stuck in a creative process. And, and I'm not kidding, like the total fog of whatever you call it, ignorance or whatever, uh, whatever Mc, Marty McFly, Biff always used to say, McFly, you're so, with childlike ignorance, I guess. I said, Jesus, this is going to go great. There's no better way to beat procrastination and writer's black than by talking about it and then going blind into trying to tell a story about it. And I think it would have been fine then, but I said, okay, I'm going to use these writer emergency cards. That, as I said, one of my personal heroes created these cards, John August. He's a screenwriter. I've talked about him. Wonderful person and a wonderful writer. And he made these cards to help writers that are stuck. And I've used them before. And even when I said, I said, geez, these cards have worked for me every time. It wasn't the cards fault, but I felt like last night the episode did not go well, which I think is so interesting. I was also trying to um, record it like on my phone because I was going to periscope this the last half and record the first half and then see uh, and see how it went. But I I have never, it's been a long time since I've had to uh that I felt like really, really uncomfortable. Like the story was just not flowing. 
I just wasn't happy. But but let me tell you, the other times I've felt like that, and I haven't listened to it. I haven't edited it, so I have no idea how it turned out. And then I still have to edit it and take out, like, the pauses and stuff. But every uh, in the times in the past where I've thought an episode has gone horribly wrong, people have always—it's always been, like, a couple of people have gotten a hold of me, especially people I've never heard from before, and said, oh, that was my uh, horrible—that was— uh, and said, oh, that was my favorite episode ever. So it goes to show how poor my judgment is. And even a lot of times when I'm editing it, uh, I, I see, I, I hear it the second time. I say, oh, this has actually turned out pretty good. It was just my self-criticism coming up when I'm trying to tell a story. And I share this with you guys for a couple of reasons. One, because di- I said, you know what, Scooter, you got to get back on the horse. You got to dive back in because the story had a cliffhanger. And honestly, I was going to wait till next Tuesday to record it and recover and listen to the edit and maybe build up some of my confidence and then get story ideas so I come into this preloaded instead of, you know, more blind. But I said, okay, Scooter, let's just go. Let's jump back into this and see how it goes. Uh, You know, my critic cannot be a part of this process, and I think this is why— like part of the me trying to overcome my self-criticism and my fears and put them at bay and say, hey, guys, just like trying to quiet your brain down at bedtime when it's telling the bedtime story time for me. It's an ongoing process for the same similar voices, a little bit different because they're more, a little bit more judgmental. I say, this is not going good, buddy. This is going to be, what if John August sees this? You'll be a, he, He's the nicest guy in the world. He's still going to throw up when he hears this. Or this is the last podcast episode. And then I, even if I read, a lot of times I just reason, I say, hey, listen, I'm just making a podcast to help people fall asleep. If it's if the middle part's wicked boring, that's what the podcast, I don't have to tell perfect stories here. This is my playground where I help people fall asleep and I get to be a little bit silly and I get to have a little bit of fun. And a lot of times if I see how the story goes, the story goes and it feels okay. So, but last night I was unable to do that. I'll be honest with you. I was kind of banging my head against a wall. And then I would regroup for a few minutes and then the story would flow. And then I would go off the rails and and really, a lot of times I don't panic. I've been doing this a little where I, I can, a lot of, most of the time I can stay calm and say, okay, just let the, let's just see how this goes. Worst case scenario, just be yourself, Scooter. And, and you know, bore the shit out of it. But I don't, I don't know what it was if it was like... One, that it was about being stuck and about the algorithmic, which I feel bad. I, I've been unable to break that and follow through on it, which is another part that I'm ashamed of a little bit. But but not, maybe ashamed is too hard a word. Uh, not happy with myself maybe is a better word. So that's kind of like a long explanation of what this episode's about. But anybody, the reason I'm sharing it is, one, I don't think this stuff ever stops just because we're going to sleep. You know, that's when it gets the worst for a lot of us. But I know a lot of you, whether it's creating something just for you around your home or or wanting to share something with a small portion of the world, something special you want to make or something you want to express or something you issue you feel strongly about, I know how hard it is. If you, if you, because if you're listening to this podcast, you got to at least relate to what's going through my brain. And if you have to go through anything similar, I really feel some compassion or empathy, whichever one I'm supposed to feel that I actually do in this case. Because making stuff can be incredibly hard. Just overcoming these obstacles, these internal obstacles. And they're never vanquished or beaten, unfortunately. That's the truth. But a lot of times you say, geez, I, got a, I had a pretty good streak going there. I'll be honest with you. And then this came up. The last episode that I, even after I edited it, no, I don't want to say because I don't want to ruin anybody's episode, but it's been a while since there was one where I was like, should I put this out? And then I did. And then that was one I heard from more than one person. I loved that episode. So it's just funny that some voice in our brain that treats everything like it's hard fact can be so wrong. And I guess sometimes I don't, I got to find some courage and go back into this story. And it had some good elements. 
And I think it might have been a pretty good story. It had more really safer. One, you can't really go wrong. And it had rabbits trying to take over the world, I think. So I don't know. This is just Scooter trying to uh, keep the line of communications open. And if any of this, anybody can use in any way. But, Jesus, I hope you, I hope, or if if it reassures you that I'm totally bonkers. And that this podcast, sometimes it might sound like this is easy for me. It's, it's not, but it's enjoy. But just because it's hard doesn't make me make it a, a pain. I don't know. I just wanted to share that. So let's, uh, let me pause it. I'm going to take a few breaths and I'll be back. All right. So when we last left off last week, and Drew just said, note, if you're going to do a story episode, do it here and now with that nonsense you just went through. Just just like an internal critic uh, calling that nonsense. All right, so when we last left off, I'm pretty sure uh, Morley and Safe, Morley Safer and I, uh, Morley Safer and I had just gone and discovered the Paz factory we were in was actually on a planet or a planetoid a space station circling the Earth or with a view of the Earth like giant windows, we had discovered the, the fact that the Earth, that we were in the, the Paz factory, was a space station. And then Morley and I were sealed inside of chocolate, what, what I assumed at the time were tro- a hollow chocolate bunnies. Like we were sealed inside of it. But, and, and I tried to break out. And believe it or not, uh, it must have been like kind of like... Uh, I don't know, it was devilish because it sealed very fast. And the only thing I managed, because you would have thought more morally, he said, it's melting, push your hands through. I'm, You know, he was a old, he's an older gentleman, so he's putting it on me. And the only thing I managed to push through was one of my pinkies, and it got stuck in the chocolate. And then I was trying to communicate with Morley to get more bright ideas from Morley, but he was, he was very muffled. And then you could hear on the outside they were wrapping, I, I, I assumed, yellow ribbons around the necks of our bunnies. But my pinky was trying the chocolate, so I was licking and licking and licking. And I said, this chocolate's now melting. Morley couldn't hear me. And I said, okay, well, at least Glenn, at least Glenn Greenwald, Leslie Stahl, and Noel Bergman... Maybe Noel Bergman, I don't know if Noel Bergman's a uh, a journalist or supports the journalism industry in any way. But at least the big three, as I call them, like more, morally, just morally. But, you know, I don't know. I just, just call those three the big three. I just started calling them the big three. Stahl, Lollman, and... Greenwald, Greenwald, his guest target was Stahl, because that's so powerful. So they're all Greenwald and Lowell, nope. Stahl, Lowell, and Greenwald, nope. Lowell, Grawl, and we'll work on it. I mean, I guess you can see why I called it the Big Three. But anyway, my pinky's caught in the chocolate, but I was like, okay, at least... The marketing campaign has been exposed. The chemical campaign, probably my name. They said, I wonder if they know I was the creator of all the brilliant marketing. If someone says, what's well, an incredibly evil intended marketing campaign? Well, let's not break the blame the marketers for it. Let's think about, uh, you know, who was the brilliant mind behind this caffeine-fueled campaign? So we invent a new holiday. I wonder if it's the same guy. Then invented all husbands eve the uh, celebration for unmarried or uh, for married childless men the night before father's day uh, sponsored by, by whatever beer company bids the most all husbands eve uh, still available uh, not because there's no bidding though because bidding's just, you know bidding's open uh, you know bidding bidding war is a, it's a slow war the bidding war for all husbands eve uh, so Morley and I were in these uh, the, these chocolate bunnies, and and then I feel moving. I feel us moving in like a what do you call that? Like a uh, you what else things called uh, forklift type. I hear the meh, and even the beeping backing up. 
And I said, oh, that's good. The rabbits practice uh, what occupational health. And then I said, I said, I heard morally clearly. He said, Derek, you still call me Derek, which, oh, jeez. You'd think by now I would have told him he was getting my name. He said, Derek, think like a rabbit, an evil rabbit. And I said, well, I'm not, I said, hey, technically they're not rabbit, rabbit, but, you know, Morley couldn't hear me. I said, but he just said, well, okay, think like a rabbitoid. And then I said, you know what, Morley said, I said, think like someone with uh, uh, whatever I called those hand paws, paw, pans or whatever I called them previously. Paws, hands and paws or pans. I think I was calling them pans, but I started to think, I started to look at my hands and pretend they were pans. And I pressed him against the hollow chocolate walls. They were just thick enough to resist my clawing, licking, pounding, and all that. But I had, you know, room to move and stuff. But it, it just, I didn't notice. I said, Jesus, this is only, after a while, it's going to get pretty uncomfortable. I'm at an angle. You know, I think my head was where the bunny head was, and my main body was in the bunny's body. And anyway, not important, not important. And I said, well, see, I said, well, they got these things. I said, if they have this, they've got to have something more powerful than a weak marketing campaign, last-minute marketing campaign. Uh, to, to create a, a holiday to slowly poison the children and adults of Earth and take over via uh, vinegar-based uh, egg dye, unclear, unclear, importantly hatched evil plan. Maybe they have something, you know, to trump that. And then suddenly I thought, this is in my wheelhouse. They said, okay, they had a bad plan. And they said, they said, well, let's come up with a better one that's not as bad. And they came up with the one they they just executed. So I said, what could possibly have been like, well, let's not do, that's an option, but let's not do that. Let's try to think of something better with our limited, you know, brain power or whatever it was. And I thought of like the last, uh, uh, well, wait, there's a sponsored message coming in uh, through my brain. Oh, don't tell me. I was thinking of like misguided marketing campaigns. I remember when there was a sweepstakes recently of a, a painkiller, painkiller sweepstakes, and I said, and, and they they said they were going to give away things that it went totally wrong because they said it involved uh, everything pain, and they said sweepstakes are away your pain. I think, and and then people they said that was the worst idea. It backfired. And they said, well, they probably weren't going to do a sweepstakes because they, they would have told me. And they said, okay, well, what about campaigns? And I said, well, why would rabbit humanoids? Obviously, their planet's gone. But I said, I don't know how they have it. And I said, well, they're pawns in somebody else's scheme. And I said, these rabbits aren't just, I said, obviously, they're not evil geniuses, but no one's going to make. And I said, it's some sort of, I said, what What could, I, and then I noticed I heard coming through the walls of chocolate surrounding me, the sounds of a TV and chitter chatter of a group watching TV. And I said, I could, I think I, I could have sworn I heard some of this. Like rabbit, kind of sounds rabbit makes when they're moving their faces. And probably snacking. What and I heard uh, the 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 wonderful voice of Ian Ziering that was putting me at a heroic heroic uh, dialogue muffled by the, the, the hollow chocolate shallows. And I said, "Damn!" It, Sharknado three came out, and I said, "Well, I don't have cable, so it's, I wouldn't have watched it anyway." But I said, "I love Ian Ziering." And I don't know who else is in it, but it, wow. And I said, okay, I got to I said, I said, geez, I got to figure out a way to get out of here. And then I remember this one time I had met, I had met this crazed, uh, what do you call it, agricultural uh, inspector. Because I used to work a long time ago. True story. 
Actually, not that long ago, I was a fruit fly trapper checking the state of California with a county of Alameda for fruit invasive fruit flies and insects. And there was this one uh, agriculturalist that liked to hang around there. They wouldn't give this 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 guy a job, uh, but he would hang around, and he would you'd always want the latest. And what's up with all you know? All wanted to share his two cents about everything. And most people wouldn't give him the time of day, but I said, I said uh, he, he always was sitting by my truck. Uh, so I always had to talk to him. I didn't have a choice. I had to give him. He would say, well, what time is it? I would say, same time at all. I said, it's like uh, 7.48. That's when I get to my truck. I get to work at 7.30. It takes me to plan my route. Anyway, what's up? And I would usually bring some fruit from home. Or some food, you know, because I felt bad. They said, this agriculturalist. And to be honest, he would usually give me, he said, I wish I had the podcast at the time, because he would go on these rants and speeches about fruits and stone fruits versus, I, I said, Jesus, this guy's, he he was like, you wouldn't know your pit from a, and I, I don't even know his other thing. He said, that's how poor my agricultural knowledge was. But I remember this one time, and this is going to repulse you if you're, you know, if you're not a foot foot person, which I'm not particularly, I don't fall either way. But I had these kiwis, and the next thing I know, this dude's taking his shoes off, and he's put he's putting the kiwi between his feet, and he's shaving the kiwi with his freaking, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I said to him, I said, "What in the hell are you doing?" He said, I'm, "I got me old kiwi shavers going." And he's like, I'm going to do a little kiwi shave in here. And I said, I said, I'm never bringing you fruit again, which I, of course, was not true. The next day I gave him, I said, I said, everybody, you got to see this guy's kiwi shavers. And then I tried to make up some jokes with kiwi shavers, but most people are repulsed by the feet. I can tell you, some of you are like, oh, God, but it, clean feet, uh, believe it or not, wasn't, well, Actually, I took the kiwis and I threw them away from him. But I said, it's probably good for your skin anyway, a little kiwi juice. And he actually did shave the kiwi. Just, uh, I said, I said, I never mind, I don't want to think about it. But it turns out, I said, they killed kiwi shavers. That's how we get out of here. And I said, you know, my feet are pretty strong. And believe it or not, I know that I run pretty hot, uh, you know, internally, and plus all the caffeine I had had earlier. So I popped open my shoes, and I just started pumping, pumping, pumping my feet. I didn't even have to use my nails. I was running in place, and we were jumping up, and I, and I got to tell you, a friction city was going on down there. But I don't know if anybody owns a spa, Owns a nail salon, probably not. Probably not the best idea with a nail salon. Or you know, does if you're a salon, if you know, take this idea and run with it. Melted chocolate under your feet when you're melting it yourself. Oh my goodness! If I wasn't, if the fate of the world was not hanging in the balance, and if morally safer wasn't incorrectly calling me Derek and pounding on his chocolate, I could have just done that for hours. It was like chocolate between my toes. Like I was running in place, running, and he said, Derek, what are you? I said, I'm running in chocolate, Morley. This is great. And at some point, I ran, ran, ran the chocolate right to the floor. And then it was extremely slippery. So it kind of, so I got, and then I tried to run it. I said, well, I'm not going to run out of this one. And then I used my socks to wipe up the chocolate. And, and then I said, okay, I got to figure out. And then I said, Morley, can you hear me? He said, yeah, Derek. And I said, hold on tight. And I stood up and I jamming my shoulders into the chocolate bunny and I turned to this right and I knocked Morley's bunny over. And then I waited and I heard the bunnies gather around and I said, Morley, what are you doing? Are you trying to get away? Because I was like, I, they won't. And then I, I, I lifted up the, I waited till I saw the sound of them and then I went in and I went down and I grabbed the bottom with my feet, grabbed my bunny, chocolate bunny, lifted it, Definitely got some strength from uh, both the caffeine. 
and the adrenaline and the chocolate I took a giant bite out of. And I threw, you know, like they say, humans under stress can lift incredible amounts. This must have weighed thousands of pounds, probably 80 pounds, which in normal circumstances would give me a backache. But I flung this, boom, it knocked like four bunnies over. And then, of course, there was like about 16 left, and Morley was on his side. And it, But luckily, one of the ears had broken off. And I stuck my hand in the ear, and I just started using that like uh, I, I was. Uh, and it turned out the bunnies were afraid of chocolate. It was a strange. I said they must be allergic. So then I started kicking chocolate. I started melting chocolate with one foot, flinging it, and they were trying to. But every time they they started running, or if they got hit, they were running for the infirmary. And then I hopped on on my Morley's, and I said, Morley, I'm gonna run my way through your chocolate. And he said, okay, Derek. And so I started running in place. Now, meanwhile, I was running in place. There's alarms going off. There's rabbits running around. At this point, I was, like, biting off a little piece of chocolate and threatening it. So the rabbits, and then I looked up. And in one of the spots where the old factory boss would look down, even though this is a new factory, so I guess a new factory boss, one of those windows overlooking the factory floor. I guess in this case, well, I don't know, but I saw... Uh, catfish humanoid, catfish. And he said, Morley, we got ourselves a catfish. And he said, what, Derek? I said, nothing. And I said, I'm getting through because I was going through. And I said, geez, I, I, I had bet that, like, the neck area of the rabbit was the thinnest part, but I guess I was wrong because I picked the wrong side of the ribbon. But anyway, I was still running, running, running. And those of you that, uh, I said, if, if you, this catfish had a three-piece suit on, catfish humanoid, as far as I could tell from the distance, an ascot, and definitely had a monocle, maybe a monocle. I couldn't tell if it was a monocle or a pocket watch from this distance. Uh, but, you know, it's an archetype that humans have been writing about for years. Normally, catfish is in human form, as far as I could tell, are usually bad guys or evil. And I think H.G. Wells was maybe the first one that identified this as a fact, you know. Or, and I said, geez, yes. I said, was that, was that the center of the earth or was that? And I said, and then I cracked through Morley's thing and I kicked off the head of his bunny. And I pulled Morley out because he's a little bit more of a smaller frame than I am. So he came right at the neck of his rabbit. And he said, you're a lifesaver, Derek. And I said, well, we got to become earth savers morally. And I said, did Glenn Greenwald didn't happen to call you? He said, no, Leslie did. And I said, one day I may be able to call her Leslie. If, you know, if I can complete this mission and not destroy the earth. And Morley said, what do you think? And I said, that catfish is up there, but he's not sending any guards in. And I said, so we must be headed in one direction. And I said, five years of one direction, just like the band. I said, I'm pretty sure I know where we are. And I said, we're inside of Pluto, uh, morally. I said, I think I'm pretty sure it takes five years. It's been in one direction. Because I, I, I said, at some point, I'm pretty sure I saw a ticking clock that said five years to Earth. And he said, we look closer than that, buddy. And I said, well, it might have been. I said, I don't know morally. I said, I know we're in Pluto. We got a catfish man. I said, pause. I said, wasn't there a heart on Pluto? Like, I love Pluto. And uh, I said, uh, pause. The A is a heart, I think. And Morley said, you might be on to something. And he said, what next? And I said, we do something crazy morally. And I said, let's just start. I said, uh, let's walk slow. I said, I walk slowly and walk close to me, determined. I said, well, he, I said was that just Mike Wallace that would go into business places or did you ever do that? And he said, why, Derek, why are we walking? And I said, as confident as you've ever walked morally. I said, like the first moment I met you walking out of MAME. And he said, What? And I said, that was when I first met you, Morley. I'll never forget it. And then he said, what is that? And I said, I don't know, but I said, we've got it. I said, I wish I could think like MAME. 
But I said that guy, that catfish is so confident morally. We we've got to we've got to out. Uh, I said, what are those things? I said, I wonder why he doesn't need any water, huh? And I said, we must have something to do with the pressure of the fact that this is another plant. I said, this is some sort of Pluto move, Pluto vengeance move. And I said, they've used us and Glenn Greenwald and Leslie Stahl and Lowell Bergman to put Earth in a, to take Earth's attention off of some other scheme they're cooking. And Morley said, what do you think it is? And I said, I think they're planning a knack in the moon. I said, they're going to take, I said, isn't them Pluto and the moon like pretty much the same size? And Morley said, the fool. And I said, then I saw, I saw the moon approaching. And if you want to wonder what breathtaking really means, be inside of uh, somehow the planet Pluto, uh, defying all sensibility. But without a doubt, it was a planet Pluto uh, with some sort of uh, giant windows. Uh, You know, the interior of Pluto, unexplored to this day. Uh, And you look out the window and you see... The Earth's moon, uh, beyond, beyond breathtaking, so huge, so, so, so I, I don't have words for it, but it was hypnotic and it was mesmerizing. And I reached, it was so breathtaking that I reached for Morley Safer's hand and he, he did not pull it away. And we held each other's hands, not in romance, have in part amazement, in part shock, and I think Morley's still shocked about it. And I said, "It's not." It's, I said, "Dudes, do it, Morley." I said, "It happens. Get over yourself." But that was afterwards. But we watched, and at first we, we were squeezing each other's hands because we were afraid we were going to hit the moon at that moment. But the moon was so massive that when I see, he said, "The fools." And I said, I said, yeah. What are they thinking? It's gonna. There's no possible way you can bump another, you know, something out of orbit. And he said, no. Glenn Greenwald didn't use a primary source in this article. And I said, morally focus on the fact that we're at some point we're gonna bump into the moon and all hell's gonna break loose because these catfish, plutoids are pissed. And he said, well, what are you gonna do? And I said, well, clearly this pause ink is is. Uh, is for something, and I said, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then I noticed uh, dyed liquid was being sprayed on the light side of the moon. And I I said, well, geez, that's going to be impressive from Earth. And they were spraying it in different colors. And for a second, me and Morley wanted to just watch, and I said, I wonder if they're going to put some, you know, hey, Earth, you're screwed, or hey, moon, you suck. But at first, they, and I said, "Okay, we better, we better, uh, we better figure out a plan." And then I was trying to think, like, uh, wouldn't the space station? And I said, "Well, the, the, who knows the, how smart these calf?" And I said, "What are we being propelled by? Sun's gravity?" And I said, "I said, Morley, I think I, I said we got to get up to that catfish." And he said, "Why?" I said, "I said, why don't you go up there?" And I said, are you listening to us? And the catfish nodded. And I said, okay. I said, well, you know, why don't you go up there, Morley, and interview the catfish? I said, we're, we're doomed. I said, I need to go cry somewhere and, and say goodbye to my family, at least in spirit. But Morley's still a true journalist. And then Morley said, well, what about my... And I said, Morley. He said, go interview the catfish that's trying to destroy the moon. And I said, I said, you got some live feed to Earth. You can, uh, I said, can you Skype in Leslie Stahl and Lil Bergman? And Morley said, we're going to punish Glenn. And I said, no, I'm just kidding. I said, Glenn Greenwald to Skype them in. And, and then I said, go, Morley. I said, I got something I need to do. And the, the catfish seemed pretty pleased because they said, well, this is Pluto's moment to shine. You know, he said, and I said, and he said, well, there's a lot of oversight being missed because Earth's going to probably be destroyed if this plane. But I said, I've got another plan. And I, I, I looked around and I, I started to think in this factory, what could I use? I was thinking, what could I use to uh, 
And then I heard, I was trying to think what to do, and I heard the uh, the catfish guy, you know, talking immorally, and he said, well, what are you, and he said, well, we're Plutonians, we're the APMAs. And Morley said, what is that saying for? And he said, that's our APMAs, altruistic Plutonian um, moon alternators. And Morley said, is that a, and Morley, who went right, he was asking him, and ended up this was just a branch of crazy Plutonians that live deep within the core of the planet. And I said, Jesus, it probably goes pretty deep, I guess. But he said, yeah, we're covering the, uh, he said, we're covering the moon in Papa and ink, and we're going to leave, leave you with one last goodbye. And then he said, I don't know, he said something about the ink uh, starting to, uh, he said something about the ink slowly deteriorating the moon. And I said, well, that would get the, uh, and I said, that's going to use a lot of ink. And, 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 and again, he was talking about some sort of magnetism and half-lives. But I was saying, man, Earth's going to, I said, I still don't buy this stuff. And I said, what the hell am I going to, and then I saw these giant, you know, things shooting the, the juice out of the moon, you know, onto the moon. And I said, Jesus, and I, I said, okay, I got, an, I think I got an idea. And I, I ran, I started running around the factory. It took me a little while to find the direction. Luckily, Morley was buying me plenty of time. I mean, he was like going for two or three 60-minute episodes, I think. And then Lowell was feeding Leslie, like all three of them, questions. And then even the other guy from Citizen Four, the guy they could had the great shorthand, he was coming in and like clarifying stuff. Uh, sir, I'm sorry, I forgot your name, but I said okay, I got, I think I got an idea, and uh, so I started looking. And I finally found a mechanical room that was controlling these giant sprayers that were spraying some sort of altered pause dye into onto the moon. And I saw they were using clockwork machinery. I said, well, H.G. Wells would be pleased. And I had brought with me uh, mo uh, most of what was left from Morley's suit. I was wearing a bunny helmet with the eyes cut out uh, so I could see. And I had a, a giant shield of chocolate and another the other bunny ear as a, a sword arm. And I cleared all the rabbits out of the mechanical room. And then I started smashing stuff and taking rabbit. You know, any rabbits that mess with me, I gave them their chalk. I said, this stuff. I said, what the hell are these catfish thinking? Uh, but anyway, I, I, I said, maybe they think you. And I said, never mind. I scared all the rabbits out. And they went after the control panels. And finally, I shut, I sh I shut down. I didn't shut down the sprayer. But I, like, managed to disengage some of the gears, and that's all I wanted to do. And then I saw, I said, geez, I'm trying, I tried to re-aim the stuff, and I said, I, and then I kicked it, you know, just like in the movies. You know, I couldn't figure out how to work the computer because I had smashed it, which, again, 2020 vision, I shouldn't have smashed computers. But I found a disengager to put it, not even in manual, neutral, and then I just melted some chocolate with my feet. I said, well, geez, that feels good. And I started running on some of these giant brass gears. I said, H.G. Wells would love this. And I and believe me, I don't know, again, maybe it was the adrenaline. I said, I said well, if I run this this direction, it's going to shift the sprayers. Now, the sprayers were still going full bore. And as I started to turn the sprayers with my running on this giant clockwork, like a uh, soon, soon I was covered in chocolate. I was running on all fours, like a chocolate-drenched gerbil on a wheel. And I was just—I still was had a huge caffeine high from all those K cups from the last episode. But I was running, running, running. And as the sprayers turned, just as I knew how delicate things can be in space from watching movies like Gravity, in Gravity, and I said, "Well, if that worked for." Uh, Sandra Bullock and uh, and George Clooney. If you know, I said, or no, was that Wally that used the? Uh, I said it doesn't matter. So as the guns spraying the water shifted, at first the planet Pluto shuddered and shuddered, and then I felt it slowly shudder and alter, 
in like whatever the gravity they had set to make us, you know, not float around. Which I'm sure a gravitologist was like, what the heck? But it shuddered and shuddered and I saw the moon moving out of the thing. And then I felt a, a giant shudder as we were caught in Earth's gravity in some unpredicted way from whoever's in the engine room. And I said, that's another catfish mistake, keeping the engine room and the spraying room separate. But I said, they probably want to be by these gears where the sprayers are. And then I felt alarms going off and anything, but I, the sprayers were so well designed, you know, brass fittings. I said, these guys, they know what they're doing. And at this point, they must have not, they must have only had rabbit soldiers. I guess they probably figured the futility of the mission. Or maybe everybody else was caught in the center of Pluto. But I said, well, geez, uh, as, as, as we got caught in Earth's gravity, I started to laugh to myself. And, 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 and you know, things started to fall apart as, as we were fully gripped. Well, now, we were still far away uh, from an earthly standpoint. But from a, a point of no return, we, we, were, we had crossed over that almost instantly. Uh, once we were out of the, I said, uh, maybe the moon's got a gravitational push and pull. I have no idea. And now, unfortunately, I'm not a scientist, but I said, well, if this is hollow and they built all this crap with these windows, uh, odds are, well, the fate of work, they said, in order to save Earth, I have to destroy Pluto. And I, I was guessing that our long drag in the Earth's atmosphere uh, would 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 the planet would Pluto would burn up because it's smaller? And I was saying this actually on sixty minutes. Now you might not, and none of this aired, of course. Big cover up, of course. But it, turn, uh, it turns out Paz is a huge donor to uh, you know all, all political parties. But so the planet once it was caught in Earth's gravity, I, I you know I was giving this speech. I said, "You yeah, your planet's hollow." And so are its inhabitants, no offense. This was what I was saying to the uh, catfish guy when I broke in. I said, I, uh, I guess I got a little carried away because I said, uh, is this live? And Morley said to the government, you know, to the government it is. And then, those, the, the, you know, they're saying, and I said, Morley. And then they all laughed at me. And they said, are they laughing? I said, what are they, are they laughing at because I'm naive or are they just joking? But I said, well, it'd be nice if this was life because Pluto's headed towards Earth. I'm about uh, 85% sure it's going to break up and melt in the Earth's atmosphere because because it's hollow and full of catfish. I said, it's going to melt like chocolate. And I said, that's the only reason I can think of it. There's so much Easter-related things on this planet Pluto. I said, I don't have any idea. And I said, maybe one day we'll find all of it out. And then the planet was shuddering, shuddering. And I said, well, geez, a lot of these brass fit. This is pretty well made. And I said, oh, dear. Like, what if I'm wrong? And then Morley said, we better cut off the interviews here and, and get, find a way the hell off of here. And so then the, the catfish guy, he was just, he was so enraged at us and in disbelief that we had, uh, that I had upended his plans. He said, I, Derek, I'm going to get you. And I'm, I'm like, for sure, keep your eyes out for a Derek that looks like me. I live near Morley in Florida. And I said, Morley down. I said, run down the stairs to the uh, the mechanical room. There's Easter egg uh, escape pods, pods, pods. And I said, go get in one away for me. And I said, I'm sorry I had to ruin your plans, Catfish. And he, he pulled it. Remember, I had gotten that medallion that said a one-way ticket off of Earth. And he laughed, and he pulled that off me, and he said, we're not done yet. He goes, go safer. He goes, but, but you haven't beaten Pluto, and this won't be the last of you or Earth here from Pluto. Vengeance will be ours. And he hit this button, and all of a sudden this sonic noise, it was, a, 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 it was more of a vibration. I guess I couldn't hear anything, but I could sense it vibrating. And he said, "This is." He goes, "This is the element from our sister planet, all the way across the universe, solid core, unlike ours." And is it is it? And he explained a bunch of other crap about metaphor. I don't know, but it, all of a sudden, 
this thing flew to the roof and, like, stuck there like a magnet, and the shuddering increased for a second, and then, boom, I felt a gravity change, and we were no longer... Like, we had equalized for a split second again. And then, boom, there was a drop as we were started to be pulled out of the Earth's gravitational pull. And I said, well, that felt good. I said, did catfish get that feeling in your loins and stomach? Because that felt good. But then I started to feel myself wait. I said, and then I ran. And I ran down. I hopped in a pinkish, hot pink pause escape pod. I hopped in was morally... He said, hit it morally, and he said he hit, he hit the green button, and poof, we launched out of the ship. We returned to Earth in a roundabout way, and uh, believe it or not, this thing had an ingenious way of slowing down and ejected like miles-long streams of cellophane, purple cellophane wrap. That must have been impervious to the but melting or something that slowly slowed us down, and then uh, and then it, it, it poofed. It surrounded us in one of those things called peeps, and then when we hit, we just boom, 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 and it also had like peep bedding, which was nice without the candy coating though. So it was like a fleece instead of because the candy sugar could be a little gritty. Uh, but we were debriefed, uh, you know, by the security forces of planet Earth, and uh, I was told never to speak of this. And uh, you know, believe it or not, Morley. Well, he said he was retired. Every time I'd call him, I'd say, uh, "Morley says Scooter." He say, "It's funny. You sound like it." I guess I was so I have a resentment. I couldn't admit that I, it was Derek. I just want Morley Safer to know me for me and not for someone he's confused as Derek. And and even to confirm it, at one time I called, I said, Hey, Morley, it's Derek. He said, Derek, oh, so good to hear it. And he went on forever, and I hung up and cried. And he said, Why can't Morley? And then Leslie Stahl, Glenn, 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 Glenn Greenwald's got a restraining order on me. Well, Lowell Bergman, you know, says, threatened me. He said, he said nah, He's got a temper. And then Leslie Stahl, you know, I said, I have too much respect for I, I mean, I called her a few times, and then she said, please don't call me. So nice. And I said, I'm not, call, not calling you. I'm saying, you didn't have to be nice. I respect you. And, she, and I was waiting, you know, for her to say the same no. And I said, well, maybe, and I don't know how they covered up the, the fact that the moon had changed colors. Or I said, there must have been some of it. I said, well, they said, good thing, I don't want to get blamed for any of this global warming. You know, they said, well, it wasn't global warming. It was the idiot in Pluto that crashed Pluto into Earth. So probably best that, you know, Earth avoided being caught in any of my calculations. But bad, good news, bad news, good news, Earth was saved. Good news... If there's a sweep weeks, weeks and 60 Minutes is ever down in the ratings, they got, they're sitting on those stories. Uh, hopefully they come out with, like, Citizen 4.1, uh, the pause story, you know, because they probably, but I said, I don't know, they even got to Glenn Greenwald. I don't, maybe they his dogs, probably, they used his dogs. He's got such nice dogs. Uh, but the good news, Earth was saved. Everyone ended up being okay. And uh, running in chocolate is wonderful. Uh, that bad news, Pluto's out to get us. No, I mean, no one's surprised. I mean, come on, who would be surprised? It's like a dysfunctional relationship with this Pluto, and Pluto can only take it so long. And then all the stuff I said, you didn't even hear about being like a hollow, weak planet, or maybe you did hear. But um, so I said that's the end of the story. And we made it, and we did. We we made it back to Earth, Morley and I, back to our lives. No ticker tape parade, no acknowledgement. But that's not about it, just the Derek thing. But I guess I can call Morley, say for whatever I want. I just gotta pretend I'm Derek, but I'm not even pretending. That's what's frustrating. And I said, she said, he said, well, what if you know? I said. He, he even one time, because uh, I call—I guess I call more than once. I'm lying. 
And he said, Derek, I'd love you to meet my, I don't know if it was a niece or his, 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 I don't know, like a blind, set me up on a date with someone that's related to say it was safer. And I said, Jesus, well, that would make for an awkward wedding. When I said, well, I'm not, De- Derek's just my, uh, but he refuses. I said, well, Jay, more, why don't you, you don't need to call me Derek anymore. And he said, Derek. So maybe I'm just hoping that Morley's being joking with me, that he really knows my name. And I said, like well, a Scooter Andrew, I would take either one, Andy I'd take, Pod Boy. So maybe he's messing with me. That's it. I'm, I'm glad you uh, listen to the story, and I hope you're asleep. Good night.